Welcome to the Level Up Podcast, brought to you by Century 21, the Harrelson Group, featuring masterminds with real estate leaders, coaches, and influencers, plus eye-opening strategy sessions with up-and-coming agents. You'll learn exactly how to go from agent to entrepreneur. And now, let's get to the latest episode of Level Up. What is up, everybody? Welcome back to the Level Up podcast, where you learn how to go from agent to entrepreneur. And we've got a phenomenal guest with us today that's done exactly that. And we will bring him in in a second. We've got Aaron Ryan, the founder of the Ryan Group, whose team last year did 689 sides. And we're going to talk about exactly how he did it, how he's built up his team, how he's running a virtual team that's actually prospecting and lead generation based without having everybody come into the same physical office and being able to hold them accountable in person. So we've got a lot of cool stuff to jump into today. First of all, Greg Harrelson. Greg, how are you today? Doing great. Man, I'm excited to be here. It feels like we haven't uh, been together for a while, but I'm I'm sure that's just me keeping busy. So I'm excited to learn about Aaron and uh, see what he's got going on. It's He's got some impressive numbers. So yeah. I hope uh, our audience has a, a pen and paper or at least taking notes on an iPad. That's right. So Aaron, just wanted to officially welcome you and kind of give people a sense of where you're at and what your team looks like. Fantastic, guys. We'll appreciate you guys having me here today. So um, we're based out of Portland, Oregon. Uh, have or you know have agents essentially in in all the major markets uh, in Oregon and Washington. So Salem, Medford, Bend, uh, Spokane, Washington, Seattle, Tacoma. We're all over the place. So you know if you if you look at a map of Oregon and Washington and see a major metro metropolitan area, we probably have an agent there. Gotcha. And so you've got, what was it, 28 agents total spread out across that? Yeah. How many are in your home market versus being, I guess, scattered, so to speak? Uh, we have about 11 here in our main office, and then the rest of them are, are working remote. Okay. And how, how long ago was it that you really started to aggressively put people in those other major markets versus building the team up at home? Sure. Uh, I think we started about 2011. That's uh, that was kind of when we got our first remote agent um, in a market that was about 45 minutes away. Okay, very cool. So started off slow with something that you know they could probably still come into the office or be part of the culture in person if they wanted to, which yeah. is which is where a lot of guys get started. So give us a sense of uh, the the numbers for last year. I briefly mentioned the size, but what does that translate to volume and what's your average uh, price there in, in your most of your markets? Yeah, so we did just over uh, 200, just over 200 million. Um, our average price point is like three hundred and fifty thousand dollars in nice. our market. Yeah. Very cool. And and so let's dig into the lead generation a little bit, uh, and then we'll kind of go I'll go off on a few tangents from there. So give us an idea of especially the home team. What are, what are you guys' strengths? Where do you really put your focus on when it comes to lead gen? Well, we are uh, you know we're a big prospecting machine, so you know we focus pretty heavily on. Uh, expired, canceled, for sale by owners. Uh, we do a ton of radio. We do a lot of TV. Um, those are those are essentially our main pillars of, of business. Um, you know, kind of those those prospecting uh, those prospecting you know facets, and then and then also some TV and radio mixed in. Gotcha. Yeah, and and let's. Uh, um, so I think the the natural question that comes up is that as you've expanded and you have more agents maybe outside than you have inside, because it seems like it's split half and half, and a lot of agents are probably working solo, or maybe they're working a market where there's one or two other agents with them in that same market. Obviously, they're not getting together. There's no boiler room. I mean, they're they're essentially all working from home and kind of reporting in. So ha has the culture kind of changed at all, or do those do those outside agents prospect about as much as your home agents? Is there any difference there as the, as the team has grown and spread out? 
Sure. So the way that we're, we're organized and we're structured, we have an inside sales team. And what they do is they generate the leads for our agents who are out there in the field. So, okay. you know, they're in here prospecting, you know, calling FISBOs, calling expireds, um, you know, buyer leads. I mean, the whole thing. Yeah. Um, so, you know, our agents out in the field, they're so busy with those appointments, those opportunities and those follow ups um, that, you know, they're they're not doing a ton of prospecting. Gotcha. Very, very cool. Phenomenal. And that's uh, and you mentioned this before. We actually went on the air, but you've been doing that for a long time. I mean, before most other people had really heard of the ISA model. Yeah. So we've been doing it since 08. So about 10 years now. That's crazy. So, uh, so I'm curious before we get into other things, and Greg, I'm sure you're chomping at the bit, but I'm curious before I'm we go my notes. there. You make, I know, I know, I can see you writing furiously. Yes, I am <laughs> I writing. Um, so, Aaron, just real quick, break down exactly how your ISAs are, because obviously they're doing prospecting both cold and both, and and what you would call like warm inbound response or whatever you want to call it off of radio, TV stuff like that. Um, what's their? How is that structured? Are they setting the appointments and then compensated by? bonusing on appointments and then how are you kind of uh, essentially how is the model built so that you ensure that the the agents if they're really relying on that those isas to book quality appointments how do you make sure those are quality appointments yeah so you know we give them we give them an hourly you know they, they get paid hourly uh they also get a bonus you know they get a, a bonus structure where um you know we we actually track how many appointments they set for every hour that they work and we have a full scale um that you know when after you hit so many appointments you get a bonus uh the appointments have to show up they have to you know in order to qualify we call them qualified appointments and unqualified so a qualified appointment is going to be somebody who we're meeting with a decision maker. Um, they're there, ready, willing, and able to talk to us about selling their house or buying a house. Um, you know, they've gone through a series of questions that, that our, our inside sales team is, um, you know, has been trained to, to ask. And as long as they meet all those requirements, they go into uh, a different bonus tier structure and they get paid bonuses based on the number of actual qualified appointments they set for you know the number of hours worked. Interesting. Okay. Very cool. Mm -hmm. Greg, what yeah, what, so, what would you like to go? Well, well a couple things. I want to uh, uh, digress just a little bit. You know, six hundred eighty nine sides is fantastic. Can what was like the last couple of years? Like, what kind of trajectory are you on? Are you you know have you built it really big and now you're kind of working out your systems and and you're plateauing and then you're going to have another breakthrough? Did you just no. have a break breakthrough? Where where are you in that whole process? Like, what was your uh, your your deals the last few years? So the, the previous year, I think we sold just uh, like six and a quarter. Okay. Uh, so 625. The year before that, I mean, we were somewhere in the 500s. I think it's 579, 580. So, you know, we've seen, you know, we've seen kind of small incremental growth over yeah. the last three years. You know, once you, it seems once you hit a certain, uh, a certain, you know, volume, you know, you're not going from six to a thousand, you know, it's, it's yeah. small growth, you know, year after year is kind of, kind of what we're, what we've been doing. Yeah. I mean, the higher you get, it's hard, it's hard to maintain like the, the, uh, two years ago when you went say in the 500 to top of 600, you were still in that 20%, uh, yeah. growth. That's actually really hard to accomplish when you're already doing in the 500s, you know, deals. Yeah. So the, the, we, we know the percentages actually go down. Yeah. You know, as you uh, as you go up, because it's so hard. Uh, I found it interesting. I want to dive into the ISA side a little bit because sure. I think most people think of ISI, ISAs um, as you know people who are going to now take the initial call 
when it comes in from uh, Zillow, Realtor.com, their websites. Like the the I think the the industry is kind of looking at in the the general industry looks at the ISA as being somebody who is only responsible for response time, like how quickly they can respond to the lead. I almost look like look at most people treating an ISA department almost like they're just scrubbers. But you're kind of taking a little bit of a different twist here, and wow. your your ISAs seem to be very proactive. I mean, you're talking about expires and withdrawals. How is that working in your favor in terms of your your expanding outside of your market? Because what you're doing in that instance is providing listing leads and you led with that as a conversation versus what majority of everyone's talking about is providing buyer leads can you yeah. just kind of share a little bit more about that because i think this is where a lot of people are are failing in 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 their uh in their moving into yeah. uh, expanded markets really really good question greg because i've seen it too especially with a lot of the kw teams who are trying to get into mm -hmm you know, the inset sales model. And a lot of them are, are using the uh, the inset sales team basically like a glorified secretary, right? I mean, that's, they're, they're kind of getting the lead. They're just doing a quick scrub and then passing them off to, passing them off yeah. to somebody. Right. You know, we spend a large majority of our, of our days, you know, working with our inset sales team, training them, making sure that, you know, they're doing all the right things, saying all the right things. They understand, you know, what the market's doing, you know, a, a little bit so that they can speak intelligently to the lead enough to get them interested in the company, to talk, get them, you know, interested enough in the agent. And so they want the appointment. They want to meet with us. So, you know, we, we let them, you know, essentially handle the front end of that process. And the thing I think that where a lot of people make a lot of mistakes when it comes to that model is running an inside sales team. I mean, call it what it is, a call center, you know, isn't for everybody. It's its own unique animal. You know, it's it, just because you're good at selling real estate doesn't mean you're going to be good at running an inside sales team or a call center. You know, it's it's definitely very, very different, um, you know, from from anything else that, that most people do, because, you know, the typical person in a call center, you know, it's a different type of salesperson. Um, you know, their their incentive is different. Their motivations are different. What you need to train them on is going to be is going to be different. So um, it's its own unique animal, Greg. And, and yeah. it, you're right. You know, they got to be more than a glorified secretary. Yeah, what 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 percent of your business, uh, at least the listing side of your business, do you think actually the first touch of that particular uh, lead is is through your ISA department versus it actually coming outside from the agent in versus the company down? Ninety eight percent. That's fantastic. I don't yeah. know about you, Matt, but I haven't heard of anyone doing it that 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 successful when it comes to running an ISA model focusing on outbound and I know there's a lot of conversations about I mean there's plenty of people that are probably listening right now oh yeah I've been doing this and I've been doing that look I, I, let me just be transparent there's not a lot of people doing a successful period yeah. this is a successful model people cannot like my statements they can like him it's not really that concerning to me this is a successful model so mm -hmm. that's that's pretty impressive congratulations on that I appreciate it Greg thank you yeah, and this is where it's an interesting, uh, just something to point out because, and Aaron, this is not the only area that you've you've got your hands in where it's probably a different entrepreneurial skill set or where you're able to apply a general entrepreneurial skill set to it, not just selling real estate. Because obviously, the whole the whole bend of the podcast is about going from agent to entrepreneur, and there's a lot of people that do make that mistake of, oh, I'm good at selling real estate, therefore I'll be good at X. 
And, and I think that's what we're seeing with not just the ISA model, but a lot of other things, whether they're getting into coaching or starting other side businesses. Like there's a lot of things that agents get into doing because they believe that they're good at selling real estate, that they have an entrepreneurial skill set. Um, so tell us a little bit about, um, like you've done the call center effectively, uh, but you've also got a essentially a digital media agency that you basically built up at first to handle your own stuff and now handles other stuff for small businesses. So tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, so uh, I own a, a digital, it's basically a full-service media agency. So uh, it's called Ryan Partners Media. Uh, you know, we, we service, you know, all business types. Anybody who, you know, wants to generate leads via pay-per-click SEO, they need a website developed, um, they want to go on TV, radio, and they want it to actually work effectively. Uh, that is, you know, that, that's what it does. You know, that's what we do. Um, it's, you know, it's been, it's been successful. We've helped hundreds of clients in, in the Northwest and, uh, some in other states, you know, with their lead generation and their branding. Yeah. How does yeah, that so evolve? How did that evolve? Yeah. Like, what was the progression? You're sitting here, you know, just hammering out, you know, millions and millions of dollars of production, ton in the deals, and all of a sudden you just randomly says, oh, I want to be a media company. It probably didn't just go that way. What was the evolution of that? Yeah. So, you know, I mean, obviously I started the media company to handle our digital, right, to handle our SEO, to handle our pay-per-click, uh, to handle our radio advertising, because what I found getting into that space was a lot of the salespeople, the sales reps who would come in and, and be your point of contact for either your pay-per-click. And I'm Greg, I'm sure you've ran into this too. You know, you you know, the SEO reps or the radio, the local radio reps at iHeartMedia or whatever, highly undereducated, you know, not very effective. So I found that through research and, and trying to figure it out myself, I was able to put together a system that, that just it was effective. It worked. I knew the real estate business. I was able to you know, actually put a program together that worked for, for me and my business. Um, as I got, you know, more involved in, in media and digital and broadcast, I met a lot of really talented high, you know, uh, I guess high end people in the business, mm -hmm. uh, effective people. And so, you know, I, I approached them about working with us, you know, in, in the media space. And as you know, I mean, you're always looking for good talent. So I actually hired them to come in and, and work with us in, in the digital and, and broadcast agency. And now they run that and, you know, I, I oversee both. But it came back to real estate, really. I mean, it, it was effective in real estate. You know, I ran the business like a business, so I wasn't out there selling houses every day. I wasn't listing houses every day. I wasn't showing properties every day. So I had the, the bandwidth to be able to take on being able to, you know, start and oversee the, the media agency also. Yeah. You know, Matt, one of the things that I did with my own staff, because I have, you know, what I'm visualizing here with Aaron is, you know, he's probably running. There's a lot of media going on within his own operation. He's already got staff overseeing it. So if you just look at your staff or that particular department, you know, that department becomes an entity of its own. And just for the listeners out there, one of the ways that I've approached my own company is I've taken every department, let's just say the design department or the social media department, and I've, I've commissioned them to look at their department as if, as if it's a standalone business and it's got to be profitable on its own. 
And it's interesting when you start to actually run your departments like they're running, like they're actually businesses. Aaron turned it into a business. But I think when you just run them like they're actually a standalone business, the performance goes through the roof. Yeah. When it comes to the performance of your conversion rates, as well as your 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 the the amount of money that it's cost your return your ROI, because you're going to be watching the money that much better. Because he's got he's got to have his own P and L, so he's going to watch that differently than if he's actually just paying people on payroll and just reaping the benefits internally. I don't know if that makes sense, but just wanted to throw that out there for conversation. It's interesting, Ron, because we talked about, I mean, the, the theoretical benefit, which I think you, it's not just theoretical, it's tangible for you, which is that you've built a skill set, then you turn it into a company that leverages that skill set to sell it into the marketplace. Now, uh, where a lot of people would lose it and, and not get the benefit they think they're going to get is that when they go and they allow that company to actually be its own thing, it becomes its own entity and you have to start making independent decisions of what's best for that business, not what's best for how it feeds your real estate team. Because right? yeah. you can't just steal the profit, essentially, <laughs> or operate it at cost to serve the bigger business. So how do you, how do you balance those two? Well, I mean, you have to have tight controls in place. You know, you have to have tight controls. I mean, you're you're just like in any business. I mean, you're constantly monitoring your your P and L. I mean, you're 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 seeing what your you know your expense flow is, and and really keeping a separate set of books. I mean, for for both entities, and making sure that you understand you know what your true costs to doing business for each company are um you know and, and profit and all that good stuff so you know just having really tight controls and not having a ton of crossover when it comes to the books or or, or you know the P&Ls and, and just making sure that you stay really tight on that gotcha okay it's really interesting all right, so let's get back into kind of the overall model uh, because I think this is something that, I mean, it's it's super unique and I'm curious kind of your opinion on it, looking back on it now that it's built and it's running. What was it about maybe the skill set that you have and, and just your own, I guess, internal superpowers of your skill sets and the things that you're good at? What do you think has contributed most to why the model that other people are trying to build or maybe haven't even thought about building, you've been able to actually pull it off successfully? Well, I, I think, again, I mean, it, it comes down to, and, you know, this is like, just like Greg, I, I think that I'm about to say some stuff that might not be the most popular statements, right? But it's very true. Yeah. Just because you're good at selling real estate doesn't mean you should own a business. Right. Just because you're good at selling real estate doesn't mean you're going to be great at everything, right? And that's the number one mistake I see in a lot of the companies out there, you know, especially these companies that push these good realtors to run these teams. And and it's just because you're a good realtor doesn't mean you should be running a team. Just because you're a good realtor doesn't mean you can run a call center. And I think that's that's probably the number one thing is, you know, you you really have to treat that call center model, treat those call centers like they are their own business. I'll give you an example. I mean, my, my call center here, um, you know, it supports my digital and broadcast marketing agency, and it also supports our real estate company. You know, we have staff for both inside of that call center. And, you know, it's one of our biggest, probably our, our largest profit center of anything that we do. And, you know, my my model and, and my experience in that, I mean, I, I've owned other businesses in the past, you know, financial services and that kind of stuff. And a lot of my skills and a lot of my um, aptitude for running a center like that came from those previous industries and those previous companies. Yeah, that's good. 
Yeah. Okay. All right. So, and, and by the way, what was the financial services? What was the, what was it in your background? What did you own? Yeah, we did internet banking. Okay. Gotcha. Um, okay. So when it comes to, to keeping someone in the trend, cause I mean, it's hard enough to get somebody that has a giant carrot on the end of the stick. I mean, if you're talking about an average of 380 and, and up from there, as far as your average price point, if one expired to the average agent, that's worth a lot of money. I and mean, we're talking about 10, 15 grand in commission, maybe. Um, so with that big of a carrot on the end of the stick and knowing how hard it is to get an agent to make that call under the best of circumstances, how do you take someone that's hourly, give them a bonus structure and plug them into a system that gets them to make those types of calls when the agents don't want to make those types of calls themselves? And we're talking about not your team agents, but average agents. Yeah. I mean, you got, you got to find the right people to make the calls, right? I mean, that's, that's the thing. I mean, there are people out there who are prospecting machines, you know, I have a room full of them, you know, and, and that's what they do. You know, they're, they're professional prospectors. That's their skill set. My agents who are out there in the field, they're not professional prospectors. They're great relationship people who can close, mm -hmm. um, you know, face to face. They're true outside sales professionals. Um, so, you know, you first you got to start with the right people. You got to have the right people in the right roles. And I think that that's probably number one. If you want to run an effective inside sales center or call center, you got to have somebody who enjoys being on the phone. You know, somebody who enjoys making those calls. Um, you know, and, and you got to tailor the culture, the bonus program, and, and when I say bonuses, right, you have different incentives. To, to different people, different things are important. So to some of our inside sales agents, time off is important. To some of our inside sales agents, you know, getting uh, lunch paid for them is important. You know, uh, cash bonuses. I mean, there's different things that motivate different people. So you have to have a good mix. You gotta have the right kind of leadership you know, in that room and, and in that department. So there's a combination of things that, you know, you have to work on constantly and you have to, um, you have to do to make that model run effectively. Yeah. You know, what, uh, what about the, the transaction management side of it? Because I'm, I'm starting to see, you know, this thing unfold for me. I would say that if I was going to um, describe your business, so far I see it as, Two components, but I have a feeling there's a third one that we just haven't touched on yet. And um, you're a marketing company, and I'm not talking about your separate company. I'm yeah. talking about your entire enterprise, but more importantly right now, your real estate company, because I'm sure marketing plays a huge role inside of your real estate uh, production. Yeah. Um, you're a lead company, yeah. because 98% of the leads are company generated at least going through the hands of the uh, call center the ISA department now I want to I, I, I'm stressing this point for a reason if you think about all of the vendors out there that's hustling creating products to sell to real estate agents it usually falls in the marketing category or the lead category like we'll sell you leads Zillow yeah. Marketing uh, category, let's just say Boomtown, um, or websites, or other, or Facebook ads, social media. Mm -hmm. And then there's usually a third vendor out there, or a third category, which is the dot loops of the world, like the transaction mm -hmm. management. So far, Aaron, you've shared with me that your company is a, your real estate business is a business broken into components called marketing. Leads, you know, like a lead company, a marketing company, and I don't know if you do transaction management, but I'm a suppose I'm imagining you have to. What are you doing with the transactions? Who's managing that that for those agents? 
Yeah. So we have listing coordinators. You know, we have transaction, you know, transaction coordinators. Um, you know, I mean, our, our system's built out to where, you know, we have the back end support for all of our agents. So, you know, listing coordinators that, you know, key everything into the MLS, order the signs. I mean, all the little tasks that it takes to get a property up and live on the market, you know, we have a department that takes care of that. Transaction coordination, you know, once the file's sold, uh, that goes into a transaction coordinator. Um, you know, they manage the transaction all the way to the close and, you know, and, and they make sure we get our commission check. So, um, you know, really our agents, their whole responsibility is to show up, give a presentation, close the sale, and then pass the ball. How, 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 I'm, I'm supposing the answer is going to be very good. How well are you at retaining when it comes to your team, uh, teammate agent retention? Yeah. So at the beginning, it was tough. I mean, you know that. I mean, you've sure. worked with too. It, it was tough, you know, at the beginning, especially with remote agents, because we had no idea. Yeah. We thought just hire an agent, they're going to stay with you forever, right? I mean, that's, that's always the dream. That's what you always think is going to happen. Um, but it definitely wasn't the case at, at the beginning. Now, you know, once we dialed in the system, once we dialed in what, you know, we needed to do to, to retain and keep our agents productive and, you know, keep them out in the field and keep them motivated, you know, we probably have about a 90, 92% retention rate with our, with our agents, at least yeah. last year. Yeah, I'd imagine. And so Matt, what, this is so, what I find common. What's that? I find I, the the few people that I know that are running a marketing company, a lead generation company, and a transaction management company. They're the guys that I know that are doing that. Their retention rates are always extremely uh, high. They also yeah. be uh, used tend to be the most profitable companies. And so one of the reasons why their retention is high is when somebody's actually trying to recruit against him. What are they going to recruit against? What, what are they? What's their What's their value? I'm going to give you leads. He's already doing that. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm going to do marketing. He's already doing that. I'm going to handle your transactions. He's already doing that. So you know he's doing it at such a high level that it, you know he's making it really hard for um, you know for people to really penetrate, which is good. It's in other words, he's adding that much value. So for those listeners out there, if you want to do it right, it all comes down to the value that you're adding to your your team, mm-hmm. and this is what it looks like. Yeah, and, and Aaron, I'm curious because essentially what you've built is you built a a corporate, an actual corporate style sales machine, right? So you're generating your own leads, you're doing your own marketing, you're closing the business on the back end, you have everything departmentalized out. So what that allows you to do is build a sales force of people that are relationship builders. They go out there, they close the sale, they do the pay, you know, they they pass it on to the next stage. So does that allow you, or has it allowed you to kind of recruit outside the industry and bring in people that are more used to that corporate environment that aren't used to doing all of those pieces themselves? Yeah, ninety-five percent of the agents. My top, wow. my top Love three it. agents. You know, my my top guy last year. You know, I mean, I think he closed thirty million dollars on his own, and mm-hmm. you know he never had any real estate experience. Yeah. So, you know, the truth is, I mean, we recruit from outside of the industry because, you know, one, if I go and tell some guy who works at Remax that, hey, you're going to come to to our organization, you're going to go on two to three listing appointments a day, you're going to sell, you know, 20 houses a month and you're going to sell $30 million next year, he's going to look at me like I'm crazy. So, Mm -hmm. you know, we get them early, we train them the right way, we teach them the right, you know, we give them the right habits. You know, we, we teach them how to sell real estate the right way within our system, and they're successful. Hmm. That's it. awesome. So so what are, 
what is the constraint or what are a couple of the constraints that you see at the level that you're at where your responsibility is to generate the lead, generate the appointment, and then handle the, the transaction management. So you're taking a lot of a lot more of the responsibility and risk on yourself than a lot of the other team leaders around the country. So what are the constraints on you of growing the business, bringing on more people, attacking more territory? Just what what are the constraints to growth for you right now? Sure. Um, probably the biggest, you know, the biggest thing that that you know is, is stunts our growth essentially. Right? Is mm-hmm. you know when you're an independent brokerage. Um, you know, just going through the, the state requirements, you know, to, to be able to open offices or, or be able to do business in other states. Mm. You know, that's that's gotcha. probably one of the biggest things that, that kind of pulls us back from being able to expand into some of the other states that, that we have, you know, on our growth plan. So, you know, that's that's probably the number one thing, you know, as far as the system itself and the lead generation models and tools and the back end support. You know, it's worked in multiple markets. It's worked here, Seattle, Bellingham, uh, Tacoma. So we know those things are efficient and effective. It's just, you know, right now meeting the state requirements to be able to do business in other states. Hmm. All right. So where are I mean, you taking a, this? Yeah. Where, 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 you know, what is your, say, two to three years out? What does it look like for you? Yeah. So, you know, we've we've been approached. I mean, we've been asked about franchising and, and being able to, you know, franchise out the model. Um, but, you know, honestly, we're looking at expansion into California. You know, that's that's one of our, our big markets, um, you know, just that we see the biggest area of opportunity. It's, you know, it's a bordering state to us, and we do business right up to that border today. Um, so California, Idaho. Uh, and then, and then probably Nevada, you know, those are the three areas that we're looking at expanding into. Yeah. And to me, the secret to all this, and I, and I, whether, whether you have, feel like you have a secret sauce or not, the secret sauce to all of this and growth and all that, it's all predicated on, do you have a superpower for identifying prospecting machines? Yeah. You know, cause that really, I mean, it really, that's the, that really, that's the, if all the other stuff is just, you know, scaling up marketing, scaling up lead gen, and then getting the bureaucratic restraints out of the way, if that's really the only things that constrain you, uh, it really just comes down to, I'd be interested to get your perspective. Do you believe that you personally are able to identify prospecting machines at a higher level than other people? And I'd be curious to know, like, if that's, if do you think that's something that you can scale up and find 20, 30, 40 more of them? And, and like, how would you go about doing that? Yeah, so, I, I mean, we do it every single day, believe it or not. I mean, just with our growth, you know, in, inside of our corporate office here in Portland, mm-hmm. you know, we're, we're always growing that inside sales center. We're always growing that prospecting machine. So, you know, we have a, a set formula that, that we use that we know if somebody comes in, you know, we do all the disk assessments. I mean, we do everything, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. We want to minimize our risk whenever we bring somebody into the organization. So they could go through a series of tests. They go through a series of interviews. We have them read scripts. We have them, you know, almost a role play in an interview. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, once they pass all those things, you know, then they're hired, they're brought into the organization. So, you know, we do it every day, you know, to answer your question, Matt. I mean, mm-hmm. we, we do it every day. We're constantly looking for talent. And, you know, the truth is right now in our inside sales team, we probably have 10 empty seats that we need to fill in the next 30 days, you know, wow. so that we can continue to grow this thing. That's crazy. I would imagine, uh, you know, that it's also it, it probably gets a little bit easier every time you add one additional one because the system, the environment, the culture, the yeah. the room itself 
will train them to a certain level. In other words, if you're if you put all these high level athletes in a room and you start playing uh you know a sport with that high level of uh caliber of athlete, you're probably going to play a little bit better. So if you bring them in and onboard them correctly and then put them in this call center with all the other very skilled callers, you're they're just going to get better in spite of themselves. You got to have the right hire. But it actually, it's like an incubation system. It almost starts to train itself to some degree. That's it. Yeah. I mean, we have, you know, if you look at our system, you know, they go in and we have trainers. You know, they go in, they train them, you know, in a classroom. Then you do the, the shadow training inside the call center. And you're right, Greg, right there. I mean, that's where they're seeing people perform at a high level. They're seeing mm-hmm. them set appointments. They're seeing them talk to buyers and sellers and convert leads and, and do all that stuff. So, it, it does. I mean, after yeah. you get it going and you have 15, 20 people in there, you know, doing it, it does. It makes it a lot easier because they can go in there. They pick up on things, too. They're bright. You know, they're bright salespeople. They're going to pick up on, you know, what the top producers are doing, what they're saying, how they're saying it, and how they're setting. Mm-hmm. And, Greg, I'm curious, just from your perspective, knowing what you now know about Aaron, what position he's in, the skill sets, the superpowers that they have, what would you take if you were in that position, if you wanted to grow and expand, whether you would expand geographically? I'm very curious just to get your perspective on how you would grow and what you would take as the next step. Yeah, you know, and this is not to really um, to coach him because I don't know the ins and outs of everything that he's doing. But mm-hmm. I would start looking at not only state, but in every current state that I'm in, I would start looking at market share per zip code. And I would start, you know, almost going towards each zip code, looking at what my market share is, looking at what um, I feel like the potential market share could be, and then uh, deploy plans, individual plans for each um, each zip code, and just make sure that I'm maximizing my total market share in the most localized area I could be in. Now that doesn't mean stay in one town; that might just be the whole state, you know. So you, you know, Aaron may already be doing that, but that's one thing that comes to my mind is. I'd be really looking at zip codes if that's appropriate way. There might be so many zip codes, it might be too many, but so it might be sections of cities and cities themselves. You know, I just keep looking at that. And then I would look at the competition. You know, I'd look and see, you know, learn that competition and figure out who's calling expires and who's not calling expires and, and FISBOs. There's markets probably all around us where the level of play is so low. And, um, you know, meaning that there's very few people, um, you know, hitting those types of pillars. I'd really start to look for those opportunities, little pockets that people are neglecting and go in really hard. How, how would you get a sense of how, how good other companies are at prospecting and closing FISBOs and expireds. Well, you would. What I would really be doing is I would number one. I'd learn the the number of agents. So in most markets, there's not a lot of hundred deal producers. In my market, mm. and I've got five in my office. You know, but in in um uh, in, in most markets, you're not going to see that many hundred deal producers. Then okay. you know, then but you will ever see that you'll always see this person that's probably doing say maybe 400 deals as a team or something like that. And then you look at there and they're heavily into Zillow, they're heavily into radio, and they're heavily into uh, billboards, right? Mm-hmm. So we know that they're not likely. Aaron's rare that you're going to be into the that type of media, and you're an outbound machine too. Mm-hmm. Usually people are not they, – they're either moving towards 
a lot of advertising and media and stay away from outbound. He's unique yeah. in the sense he's doing both. Yeah. You can almost make an assumption that people that are really heavy in the um, in the advertising world are probably not doing business too much on outbound. And if they are, it's just centers of influence. So you start to yeah. look. You'll see just in agent rankings, you can start to figure things out. Then you go in and take those top agents, not the ones that we know are advertisers, and mm -hmm. start digging in and figuring out exactly how they're doing their business. We can all figure out how our company competitions doing business whether we get yeah, I was Google, thinking my first whether thought we make was, a few phone calls yeah you know somebody like Aaron can do that pretty easily yeah yeah I was thinking maybe going back and you pull old expires for three four five years out and just Could have a not. VA research them and see who they relisted with and then just sort them by who took the most that might give you a, a sense of drive just like who's who's really good at going after expires but uh, I was just curious about that yeah. All right, that's awesome. Um, and first of all, Greg, you're the only one I've ever heard talk about per zip code market share. That's really, really interesting, which I, I know that's how your brain works because you, you maximize like your local market area. And, and Aaron, you talked about, you know, like not drinking, not drinking the Kool-Aid. Everybody doesn't have, have to start a team and every team leader doesn't have to expand. Uh, you know what I'm saying? I think you're unique yeah. in the fact that you have a proven entrepreneurial skill set that's bigger than selling real estate you proved it in several other ways and so it's not like you have a proven model that you can move into other areas and you have the skill set to pull it off sure no i appreciate that yeah, yeah it's yeah it's it's all about the lead generation i'll tell you that if you have leads you know and you know how to generate leads you know it, it translates into a ton of different different areas and different businesses yeah. Just going really far back, how did you first get into that? What was some of your initial training, coaches, mentors, you know, uh, when you first started cutting your teeth in the industry? Well, I uh, I worked a lot. I mean, I, I think we both did. I, I Greg, if I remember right, I worked a lot with uh, Mike and Jay over at okay. uh, yeah. uh, Kinder Reese. Yeah. So back him, in the day, very well. yeah, that's uh, that was kind of the training that I took. You know, mm -hmm. I mean, they were they were you know, they were huge mm -hmm. in opening my mind to making that transition from single agent to, you know, a, a team and, and actually running a business. So, mm -hmm. you know, that was big. I mean, I, I've done a few things. I've done Mike Ferry. I've done, you know, the maps coaching when I was at KW. Um, but by far, you know, probably the turning point for me was, you know, getting involved with guys like you, Greg, and getting involved with Mike and Jay and, and seeing what they did to, to run their business and, and, you know, picking up on some of that stuff. Yeah, I heard just a few things in your language, and I and I felt like we probably hung out with some of the same people. <laughs> just yeah. some of the words that you used, you know. That's yeah, it. small, yeah. small group. Yeah, small that's right. It is. it is. Well, hey, Aaron, this has been uh, this has been awesome. And I know we could spend you know three or four, ten hours more with you today, but uh, we do need to wrap it up. Uh, so let people know, kind of, we have an idea. Basically, if you're in a, a a major market all throughout Oregon and Washington, so what is the best way to kind of reach out, connect with you on a personal level, but then also if people have referrals for the Northwest, how do they get in touch with the right person who can get them to the right agent that's in that area? Yeah, yeah, we actually have a line dedicated just to that. So give us a call, 503-343-1666. There are people on standby waiting to take any referrals. You'll get a live person who, you know, can, can get you the right people. Uh, you can email us, info at the ryangroup.com. Ryan is always spelt with an I, so the ryangroup.com. Um, you can also check us out online, the ryangroup.com is our, is our web domain. Awesome, very cool. And uh, Greg, same question for you. 
You know, I keep it simple as always. Uh, you know, just you know, shoot me an email to my private email at gregharrelson at gmail. And and uh, what I really prefer is if, if somebody has a question or if I can do anything to help them out is uh, you know, private message uh, private message me uh, via Facebook. That seems to be the most convenient way uh, for me to respond. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Same here, and same for a lot of us that are that are in in and around real estate. Definitely, Facebook and Facebook Messenger is a great way to connect and reach out, uh, guys. As far as the podcast, make sure to subscribe on YouTube, iTunes, or Stitcher. If you've got your Apple device, go to the Apple Podcasts app. Uh, make sure to uh, search Level Up Podcast, and you will find us there. You can subscribe. You can leave a rating and a review if you like it. And thank Aaron for being on the show and kind of let us know some of the things that you're pulling out, what you liked about this particular conversation, and future conversations. We'll we'll steer them towards that. If you guys have any questions, obviously you can reach out to any one of us. You can also put them right here in the uh, the comments because we've been live on Facebook this whole time as we always are. So we always go back and check the comments afterwards. And any questions that we didn't get to live, we make an effort to answer after the fact just by going into the comments right here on the Facebook live feed. So with that being said, guys, thank you so much, Aaron. We appreciate you being here and all the viewers and listeners for watching and listening. Thank you, guys, and we'll see everybody on the next episode.